Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Jen. And I'm Shanna. And welcome to our August book club. Woo! Today, we will be book clubbing Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. We actually read this book last year when it came out, but her new book, Carrie Soto is Back, comes out today. And we wanted to brush up on some of the details within the Taylor Jenkins Reid universe because Carrie Soto is actually a character in Malibu Rising. Yep. And we are going to be book clubbing Carrie Soto next month. So you are going to want to pick up a copy so you can come along and and read with us. Yeah. I love Taylor Jenkins Reads. So I'm going to read it. Yep. It's, uh, I have no interest in reading a book about a tennis player. Like I don't, but I also had no interest about reading a book about a party. And somehow she delivers. It's going to be great. It's going to be so good. Yeah, and I love tennis. So, like, it's actually, I think this one was written for me. (laughs) Yeah, I I do not love tennis, but I know that I'm going to love it. I'm going to love tennis by the end of it. Or, (laughs) like, the book, it's not even going to be about tennis. It's going to be about so much more than tennis, and I'm excited. I love playing tennis. My husband and I, like, one of our favorite things to do together is to go and play tennis together. We do not know the rules or how to (laughs) play tennis. And I do not watch tennis, but we enjoy doing that. So hopefully for me, she'll have like a breakdown of how tennis works because that would be helpful just in my life. Well, I mean, that would be great for you, but I'm, I'm hoping it's not <laughs> like the Queen's Gambit. I was going to say, I'm looking for a Queen's Gambit of tennis. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, there is an audience for the types of books that really just hammer in how to's yes fiction (laughs) i guess i could just buy a how-to tennis book but that would be probably boring so okay i get it i get it (laughs) give me some plot (laughs) (laughs) all right so taylor jenkins reed is the best-selling author of malibu rising daisy jones and the six and the seven husbands of evelyn hugo she also has many other novels in her backlog such as uh one true loves which i've read and also maybe in another life, which I have not read, but I've heard lots of good things about. Um, her older stuff is mostly romance, while her newer work is all like impeccably done historical fiction. And then she grew up in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Massachusetts. That's right. Chef's kiss. I hate saying <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> Uh, but now she lives in Los Angeles with her husband and daughter. <laughs> was One True Loves the one with the husband with amnesia? Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. Maybe that's in another life. I don't remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> one True Loves, the husband was gone for a long time. 
he oh. was in an accident, like a his plane crashed or something, and he was gone for a long time and thought dead. And then he swam across the ocean, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's right. That's right. I just thought he had amnesia, and that was why he was gone. But no, I think the other one might be the amnesia one. The pl- plot in indefinitely in One True Loves was a little bit too far fetched for me, but her characters are so good that it didn't really matter. I really enjoyed oh. it. So her character work is ridiculously good. Uh, do you want to let everyone know that you have a cold? I have a cold. <laughs> I just got back from camping. And while there, even though we were just in a campsite, just the four of us as a family, we got a cold. So yeah, uh, I'm going to try not to be sniffling and sneezing and coughing <laughs> and hacking and being disgusting. But I make no promises. Yes. Well, that way, at least they know you're not just, I don't know, dying on the other end. Yeah. Although you might be. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Shanna will edit out what she can. I shall. Yes. <laughs> All right. Do you want to let us know what this book is about? Always. Four famous siblings throw an epic party to celebrate the end of summer. But over the course of 24 hours, their lives will change forever. Malibu, August 1983. It's the day of Nina Riva's annual end of summer party and anticipation is at a fever pitch. Everyone wants to be around the famous Rivas. Nina, the talented surfer and supermodel. Brothers, Jay and Hud. One, a championship surfer. The other, a renowned photographer. And their adored baby sister, Kit. Together, the siblings are a source of fascination in Malibu and the world over. Especially as the offspring of the legendary singer, Mick Riva. The only person not looking forward to the party of the year is Nina herself, who never wanted to be the center of attention and who has also just been very publicly abandoned by her pro-tennis player husband. Oh, and maybe Hud, because it is long past time to confess something to the brother from whom he's been inseparable since birth. Jay, on the other hand, is counting the minutes until nightfall, when the girl he can't stop thinking about promised she'll be there. And Kit has a couple secrets of her own, including a guest she invited without consulting anyone. By midnight, the party will be completely out of control, By morning, the Riva mansion will have gone up in flames, but before that first spark in the early hours before dawn, the alcohol will flow, the music will play, and the loves and secrets that shape this family's generations will all come bubbling to the surface. That was maybe too detailed. That was really long. (laughs) But it was, it's good. It's a good one. I remember reading the synopsis because I generally do. And even though it's like, you know, it tells you that things are going to end a certain way. I still was completely compelled. Like I wanted to know how do we get from here to here? Tell me, Miss Reed, Mrs. Yes. Reed. Mrs. Reed. Yeah. I don't remember reading the synopsis as usual, so I can't say. I think I probably heard you say the synopsis that you tend to be the one to read them out. Just It sounds like me. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we're just talking and I'm like, I'll be talking normal. And then I'm just into book synopsis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I listen to it with half an ear. Yes. And just get half of it, which is what happened here. Because yeah, like I said, I was not interested at all in a book about a party in Malibu. I just wasn't at all. And the synopsis, I don't remember it sounding interesting. But if you want to know my general thoughts and rating, my general thoughts are love this book. My rating is... 4.5 4.5 stars. Agreed. That's exactly what I was going to rate it as well. Yeah, it's um I just read it a second time. I did it on audio and the audio was great. 
highly recommend the audio. I mean, we're going to say it on every single episode, apparently, because we're on a Julia Whalen tick that she is the narrator and she's a great narrator. So she's so good. So good. Although it was kind of like it could have just added to the enjoyment so much because I remember when I first read the book, I only gave it four stars and this time I gave it an extra half star and it might be that I like her voice so much in my ears. That's that it true. Helped. Sometimes on a reread though, too, I'll find I'll give more because mm-hmm. the second time you can see more of the craft that goes into the story because you're yeah. not like rushing through trying to finish and find out what the heck happens. Yeah. And this time I could just, yeah, see, I knew the characters were really good the first time I read it, but the second time I was like madly in love with <laughs> every single one of them. Oh, so good. I just don't know how someone can write so many different characters to be different, so different. They're it's just wonderful. They all have their own voice. They feel like fully formed people. Yes. It's remarkable. It's so good. I think Ugh. the only thing I was a little bit offended that a book set in the 80s is now classed as historical <laughs> fiction. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Well, they were born in a historical time. <laughs> Way back in the day. I mean, I was 89, so I barely made it. So Whatever. <laughs> Unlike some of us. <laughs> 86, not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> Could be worse. <laughs> Carolyn. <laughs> uh, no, we love you. Love. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Let's talk about this book. All right. Um, if you are planning on reading Malibu Rising for your own book club, head over to our website to download a free copy of our book club kit, which includes all of our discussion questions. And I will also link it directly in the show notes. Okay, now we're going to start our discussion. So from this point on, this episode will contain spoilers. You have been warned. All right, so the book starts out talking about how Malibu often catches fire, that it's in its nature to burn, and a lot of the time it's that nature that causes the fires. But the fire of 1983 was started at the home of Nina Riva during one of the most notorious parties of the year. And this heads right into our first discussion question. The book begins by talking about how it's in Malibu's nature to burn. <laughs> <laughs> What did you think of this use of metaphor throughout the book? Wonderful. I just, I don't know. I think she's so talented. So maybe I'm incredibly biased, but yeah, I love it. Yeah, I really liked it too. Just that the burning and the renewal and, you know, coming out as something different in the end. It was so good. Yeah, um, that whole phoenix. Yeah, rising through the ashes. Yeah, and these, like these kids, they... They fight through those ashes to come out on top. And it was pretty great. We meet Nina first. She is a beautiful, rich, and talented surfer, but she's also unhappy. Her husband just left her for another woman, and now she lives in a house she doesn't want and is about to have and is about to have to host the part and is about to have to host the part and is about to have to host the biggest party of the year that she wishes she could cancel. I loved that she hated her house. She (laughs) hated it. (laughs) Like, it was a beautiful house, but she wanted one on the beach. She just wanted actually her old house, the one that she grew up in. 
But she could have, couldn't she? Could she just go like buy it? <laughs> right? Like, I think, did her brother and sisters, do they still live there? Oh, doesn't Kit live there? I thought so, but I can't remember exactly. Oh, yeah. She just wanted to like do up her old house and live there. And then her stupid husband, who was the actual worst, he was like mm-hmm. Ken Barbie, <laughs> tennis player, jackass, <laughs> just goes and buys her this house without even talking to her first. I hate it when people do that. Unless, of course, you actually, if someone wants to buy me a house without telling me and it's the one I want, then that's good. <laughs> Honestly, even if it's not the one I want, I will still take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If anyone else, but if, like, just my regular husband did that, I'd be mad at him. (laughs) (laughs) Their house sounded so cold, open, and, yeah. Just not like Nina. No. Or not like the real Nina. Yes. Is Carrie Soto's book going to make me feel bad for Carrie Soto? Probably. (laughs) Because when I reread this one, and we got to the part where she... When you're getting it from like Nina's point of view and from Brandon, her husband's point of view, Carrie sounds like the worst. And then when she actually shows up and throws a big tantrum at the end and she's saying things to Brandon, like, how could you do this to me? And like kind of saying her side of the story, I was like, oh, maybe like, yeah, maybe there is more to this. And I could see little cracks in like her crazy facade, you know, there's, there's something there. So yeah, I think we are going to feel bad for Carrie Soto. I think we're going to love Carrie Soto. I think we're going to want to be her BFF, really. Oh, well, I don't know if I'm in the mood for that. But, but we'll see. <laughs> Sometimes you're just not in the mood to hear the other side. <laughs> but you know what? I'll do it. Yeah. In this very specific case. Yeah, only. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So two of her siblings, Jay and Kit, show up to take her surfing, but she's already gone out on her own. Jay is a big time surfer with sponsors and competition wins and magazine covers. Kit is 20, but very much the baby sister. She's portrayed as a child, basically. She's never kissed anyone. She's also totally awesome but is underrated, and in her mind, she is not as good of a surfer as her brother and not as hot as her sister. So where does that leave her? Just be your own person, Kit. It's okay. You don't have to be anything. It's okay. Yeah. I love the name Kit. I love it, I love it, I love it. But I I mean, I don't mind the name Christopher. Mm -hmm. And what was her name? Catherine, I think. Catherine. Yeah. So, I mean, those names are fine. They're just not names that I wanted to name my kids, but I love the nickname Kit. So I was so torn, but you know. Yeah. I also really like it. I especially like it on um, females. Um, (laughs) I really loved Kit so much. Oh my gosh. She was so good. And the way that she was written, she was one of the stars of this book. I loved her. Yeah. She was just angsty enough. Without yep. getting annoying about it. Yep, it's a little angsty, but she like, really cared about her siblings and really just stood up for what she believed in and stood up against people and things that other people wouldn't. And yeah, I thought she was really good. And she was written in a way that was like somehow both underrated and like overrated. <laughs> it was so. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. Like it was just, it was shown really well that she was really awesome, but everyone was kind of overlooking her. Mm -hmm. Third child syndrome, or I guess fourth. Yeah. 
ish ish <laughs> baby um, baby syndrome baby that's it then we meet the fourth Riva sibling hud or hudson he doesn't surf instead he is out there in the water taking photos of surfing and it's his photos on the magazine covers hud is with his girlfriend ashley but we also know that ashley is jay's ex-girlfriend and we've already learned that he was pretty crushed after their breakup Turns out that the reason that they broke up was because she and Hudson fell in love and started sleeping together while she and Jay were still together. Duh! Now, they've been together for six months and are planning on telling Jay at the big party. And yeah, here's uh, another moment where this is not cool to do. You should not be sleeping with anyone behind anyone's back. Definitely not your brother. Not good. But... I couldn't help but root for them. They were so in love and they were so, so cute in love. And even though it was the wrong thing, it was that it was the right thing. Like they mm-hmm. were supposed to be together. They just needed to have come clean about it way sooner than they did. Yeah. Actually, I feel like in a lot of her books, actually all of them, there's always like an ethical dilemma. Mm, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought they were so cute. I really liked all the scenes with them. Yeah. I understand why Hud, Hud got his ass kicked in the end. So, I mean, sometimes you got to just get the ass kicking over with. And then you move on. And then you move on. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, okay, so we go back in time to 1956 when... June Costas meets Mick Riva on the beach outside her family's restaurant that she is reluctantly destined to take over when her parents retire. And Mick is convinced that he is going to be a famous singer. They have this whirlwind romance, which literally sounded like something out of a Nicholas Sparks book. And they end up pregnant with Nina and then married. And Mick was right. He does become a singer. So now the story is going back and forth through time between the 80s and the 50s slash 60s. And the restaurant doesn't matter. 50s slash 60s. The restaurant totally matters. <laughs> the restaurant is like a big yeah, part of the book. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter in this exact scene. Uh, oh, we learn okay. that the restaurant is still in their family. I thought I you mean, wanted maybe... the character that we don't mention this one to be the restaurant. It, it could have been. <laughs> Uh, I always choose one character and cut them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd be a great editor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this brings us to our second discussion question. The story is told through dual timelines. Which timeline did you like best, the kids or the parents? Uh, it's a tough one. Not for me. I really like the parents. I like the kids. Ah, there we go. Okay. Yes. I really love things that are set in the 50s and 60s and not mm. so much the 80s. And I really love June. And I mean, Mick was terrible. He's the worst. I Okay, this is one character I could not gain any sympathy for whatsoever. Mm-mm, not even by the end. None. Zero. And he's supposed to be this like hot, dreamy singer man. I couldn't even picture him to be attractive. He was, I've been trying to find a picture of who I picture the entire time. And the answer is this guy from the movie Cop and a Half. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> you. No one has, I'm sure. 
that's on my very long no list. <laughs> but there's this character called Vinny, and he's the bad guy. And I'll have to, I'll send you a picture. I'll send you a picture right now, actually, just so you can okay. see it. There's actually one scene where he's singing, and I'm always looking for it because it would just be perfect because it's what I it's what I picture. Um, and I'll post a picture on Instagram so you guys can see. This is Mick Riva to me. It's terrible. Let's see. It's not terrible. He's not like an ocean. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. But he's not, you know. Oh, yeah. No, not for me. Mine is like a photoshopped version of young John Travolta. <sighs> like young John Travolta playing Elvis. <laughs> no, that would be way too attractive for me. <laughs> well, they said he was attractive. So that's who I made I know, him. But he's, he's terrible. So I just made him this weird villain from a <laughs> obscure comedy from like the 80s <laughs> or the oh. 90s. <laughs> no. Uh but yeah, I don't think we were supposed to have any sympathy for him or else we would have because she would have made sure that we did. And yes, there was. I mean, okay, there was maybe like a shred almost when he talked about his parents at the end because he said his parents were terrible. They were, his dad was abusive. His mom was neglectful. They would just be like, have this really hot and cold romance that was just to the extreme. And then one day, one of his parents caught their apartment on fire and burned it down and killed them both. And then he was on his own. That sucks. Yeah. And he thought, you know what? I'm going to just do all of that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, you know, sometimes people move past the things that happen to them and sometimes people don't. Got to break that chain. Otherwise, it's yeah. just going to keep happening. Yeah. So I almost felt sympathy for him then, but then I didn't. So. You know, the parents' timeline, it just felt like it was so much this woman pining for this asshole, which mm -hmm. gets very irritating to me because I'm like, stand up and punch him in the mouth, sister. But she never does. Right? Not, not really. She, I feel like I would remember a punch him in the mouth scene. <laughs> well, she kind of kicks him out, but let, then lets him back in like immediately. Yes. What kind of idiot. But then, I mean, we all know how bathing goes for her, and that broke my heart, which is Ugh. just a little, you know. So with the kids, at least, you know, they're dealing with this stuff, and we're bouncing around through a bunch of characters, and yeah, it just was less bummer. Dramatic, yeah. Yes, I don't like all that that sad drama, but I know you do love the 50s, 60s, so I do. that does make sense. And I could just picture the whole thing, and I... Loved it. Yeah, I can. Oh, God, I want to see a movie of this or like a limited series. It'd be so good. How do you feel? I want to say austere, but I don't think that's the brand. You know the old fridges that are like green and pink yep. and they're all like round? They, they would, yeah. Whenever I see them, I think, oh, Jen should have that. <laughs> I should. I should. <laughs> God, I should. I will. Yeah. That's right. Um, okay, so HUD and Ashley are so worried about telling Jay about their relationship, but it looks like he has met someone else. Lara. Lara? They said Lara in the audiobook, but I like Lara better. <laughs> well, my mouth will probably say both. So Okay. <laughs> he met her a few weeks before and he hit on her and she went for it. They really hit it off and he falls hard for her. He stays the night, but when he wakes up, she is already left for work. He doesn't have her phone number, so he just keeps showing up at her work whenever he has the chance to try to find her. Finally, she's there, and he invites her to the party. <sighs> I loved her. 
She was just such a, I don't know, the, the role that they typically give to men in novels yeah. where like she's just looking to have a good time. And I mean, I'm sorry you fell in love with me. I just, I liked that about her. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And of course, Jay is like not liking the, the, the turning of the tables on him. <laughs> yes. and, oh, he was mad. But one question I had is, like, why didn't he just go back to her house or, like, leave his phone number to find her instead of going they, back to her work, like, every day? Did they, they went to her house? Yeah, he knew where she lived. She left him in her house? Yeah. That's weird. I know. <laughs> I, I feel like that's, like, restraining order behavior, though. I don't know. I mean, he could have left his phone number. That would have been smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess... Yeah, if you're going to show up. But I think if you wait outside someone's house one time till they come home and say, hey. Still not great. Date me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fine. But if you do it every day, then it gets weird. But it's still weird if you do it every day at their work. I mean, if you have been invited there before, maybe. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like a waste of time to go to work every single day to like try to find her. So you could be sneaky. Is it better if you're being sneaky or open? I mean, but are you being open <laughs> at their house like a freak? <laughs> <laughs> or sneaky at their work like a creep? You <laughs> <laughs> yeah. going freak or creepier? I don't know. There's, you know, there's, I guess this is, it's fine. Or not. <laughs> Who knows? So during their night together, he admitted for the first time to anyone that he has been diagnosed with a heart condition. And basically, if he continues surfing, it could kill him. So that's not great because he and Hudson are supposed to be leaving on a big surf tour soon. Back in time to Mick and June. Mick has become super famous super fast and June has given birth to their second child, Jay. Mick is always on the road playing shows and June tries to be understanding. But obviously that is difficult when you have two babies at home. When Jay is four months old, a woman shows up at the house with a baby in her arms. She is a famous, well-known actress, and she tells June that the baby in her arms is Mick's one-month-old son, Hudson. She hands her the baby, says that she can't do it anymore, and walks away. This, I don't buy it. (laughs) I mean, it can happen. Yeah, but she's got a, if she's famous, she's got nanny money. Yeah, she should just be able to figure it out, right? Yeah, I mean, she can do some kind of adoption. I don't know what the heck 5060s are, but or are like that way, but I don't know. I absolutely adored June for taking that baby in and saying, yep, welcome to the family, Hudson. Right, which gets right into our third discussion question. What did you think about June's decision to raise Hud and Jay as twins? How did that affect their relationship growing up? Uh, I... I just love it. I think it was so sweet of her. She does tell them that they're not twins, right? Yeah, she like does. Like, they have their real birthdays just, and stuff. Just everyone else is under that assumption. Yes. And it's funny because they look completely different. Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, I loved it too. Because she was like, at first she's like, absolutely not. Like, what is happening here? And she's really hurt, really mad. But then she just looks out at this little tiny baby. and little red-faced, like, crying yeah she's like you have no one i'll take you (laughs) yeah Uh, i'm not gonna lie i would love it if somebody well not if somebody came to the door and said here's your husband's child 
Yeah. But, <laughs> but here's a child. You can have it. Okay. Yeah. I would be like, yes, Andrew, this counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It would be great. Yeah. yeah. I just want somebody to give me a newborn baby. That's it. <laughs> Free house, newborn baby. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, June was so good. I loved her. And she how she like, because she takes this baby in and then is like, yeah, no, Mick, you're out. You suck. And then she lets him back, of course. Ugh, it sucks. They even have another baby. Yeah, she should have just gotten rid of that guy. Oh, I thought you were going to say baby. I was like, what? No. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we need Kit. She's the best. Mm-hmm. So it's okay, I guess, that she let him back. Because then, then we got Kit, so it's all right. Yeah, I just, mm, I can't believe that he never paid child support. I know. Like, he did for a little while and then just stopped. And then June's like, oh, I'm not, I don't need to take anything from that man. I'm like, take everything from him. He's super, he's the biggest star in the world. Yeah. Take it. He's the worst. These are legitimately his kids. And he's got people who can send those checks. Like, yeah, yeah, I did not understand. No, if I ever had an ex-husband who's the biggest star in the world, I'd be taking whatever I could. I would not be like, I can just do this on my own. I can do this on my own with a lot of money. That would be great. I feel like, I guess there was not a culture was the same back then. I don't know what it was like. But, I mean, I guess she wasn't a vindictive, angry person. But it would just take one, oh, hey, want this story about how McReva doesn't pay child support for his kids or acknowledge them? Yeah. Like, um, Owen Wilson apparently has a daughter that he's never seen. And he just yeah. like pays for her. And he like never... And I remember reading that story. I'm like, is this... I mean, that sucks. That really gives him... It paints him in such a bad light, right? Yeah. It definitely changes my opinion of him a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's right? like, still funny, but... I'm sure there's, like, you know. lots of complex reasons for everything. But, yeah. Like, when you hear this dad doesn't do the dad thing, it's... I don't know. It's yucky. Plus, June had Hudson, who has two famous parents... Someone should right. have been giving that kid some money. <laughs> yeah. Like, and June's just working herself to the bone. Yeah. At the family restaurant. Yes. Our favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Called uh, something. Fish and, fish and chips. Rivas. Yeah. Well, it started out as something else and then they changed it to Rivas. Uh, yes. The one thing you take from him is his name to put on your seafood shop. Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> And that was only after June was dead. Nina did that. Yeah, she's better at marketing, apparently. So, okay, June, she takes him back. And I think it takes about a month before he finds someone else, leaves June, and marries this other woman. Because he's the worst. The actual he, worst. He's married to that woman for about four months. Uh, when she kicks him out for cheating on her, too. Dude, just quit it. Stop. Or don't get married. I just feel like it's not that hard to it's not get really married not that or hard. to not sleep with someone else. Like it's just right. Why are you getting married? It makes it so much harder. <laughs> yeah. He needs some lessons from uh, Laura or Lara. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he uh, they get divorced. And then he marry. Then he marries Evelyn Hugo for a day, but that one gets annulled. 
which is great. That's a little tie-in to one of her other books. Mm-hmm. Then he gets super bored of all these women, so he heads back home to June, begs her to take him back, and of course she does because she's just... Uh, I know that this happens. I know that women do this. I know, I know, I know. It just makes me half nuts. Yeah. Well, I guess she... Uh, she was just obsessed with him. And also with who she was when she got to be, you know, McReva's wife. And then when he wasn't there, she was just very dude, sad. Works at the seafood place. And drinks until she's asleep in front of the TV. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. They get married or they get remarried, have Kit. And I think this time it takes him a few years to fall back off the wagon. But he does and leaves her again for another woman. This time he stops paying the child support, though, and June is forced to work at her parents' restaurant to support the family. (sighs) He's the worst. But I do love the tie-in to Evelyn Hugo. Mm -hmm. Such a good book. Yeah, so good. I I need to reread that, I think, immediately. Who does the audio? I've read all of Taylor Jenkins Ah. Reid's books in physical forms. Mm -hmm. I've never done an audio for stuff. I've done audio for Daisy Jones and the Six, which was incredible. I and, heard that one so, so good on audio. Oh, it is so good. And I, I listened to it and I thought there's no way it was as good as I remember. And it was. It was <laughs> so good. Yeah, everybody who I know who has listened to that audiobook has just raved about it. Oh, it's it's um has three narrators, uh, Evelyn Hugo. And one of them is Julia Whalen. So Of course. <laughs> she must be one of you know, I think she's just one of the the best ones out there. So she's on all the good books, apparently. Mm-hmm. It's funny, now that I've been an audio listener for so long, I recognize narrators and mm-hmm. I can like choose books based on who's narrating them. Yeah. So all of this has started a drinking problem for June that gets progressively worse over the years until one day, while all the kids are out with their friends for the night, June gets drunk and drowns in the bathtub. Nina, who is 17, comes home in the morning to find her and instantly becomes the person who has to take care of three children. She drops out of school, runs the restaurant, and they try to stay under the radar until she turns 18 so she can apply to be their legal guardians. Ugh. Sisters who be legal guardians. Best kind. I love those kinds of sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I guess because we're both the oldest, hey? Yeah. So you just, I've had a place in my heart for Nina mm-hmm. where sometimes you do just have to buck up and do the things and be that person because that's the role you got. Yep. And I feel like even if your parents don't die, you still get that role. It's just like the oldest job. Yes. So yeah, throughout the whole book, I really identified with Nina so much. Yeah, um, for me, it was like the supermodel part. Oh, yes, um, me like, too. Which- <laughs> <laughs> all the all the swimsuit shoots on the beach. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they get tedious, but you got to do them as the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, discussion question number four. Discuss the different ways that their mother's death impacted them as children and then as adults. Well, they uh, weren't really, I mean, they threw this huge, gigantic, crazy party, but they were not really drinkers. (laughs) That's true. The party was a little bit kind of funny in that way. But yeah, there was multiple scenes where 
they would especially Nina and I can't think of the the guys but Kit too where something would happen and they would be like and all I wanted to do is like get a drink and then like they remember their mom and then they're like no can't do that alcoholic parents that's a great deterrent for yep wanting to not do that oh this is those poor kids uh they found out that their mom died it was just terrible it was such a heartbreaking scene in the book didn't one and of them find her nina found her oh, oh she's just a nightmare and I knew, like, you just know as the scene is unfolding what's going to happen, especially because at that time she was, like, realizing what she was doing. And she's like, I- I've got to change everything for my kids. They deserve better than this because by now, like, Nina is already taking care of everybody. And she has been for years, way before their mom died. She's learned how to drive because she didn't want her mom to drive drunk all the time. So she was like, I love driving. I'm going to drive everywhere. But really, she was terrified of driving and hated doing it. She did the cooking because the mom burnt everything to a crisp or just forgot to. Or, you know, like she's she took care of them all for a long time. So, I mean, her mother's death impacted them for sure. But like her absence was felt long before then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I mean, just growing up without a mom. It's going to mess you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending. I mean, you know, no matter how they pass, actually, what am I talking about? It doesn't matter if it's, you know, disease, you know, it's coming. If it's an accident, losing your mom is awful. Always. So, yeah. Okay. Mostly. <sighs> mostly always. Jen- Janet, Janet, Janet McCurdy, uh, the girl from iCarly that's not Carly, okay. Sam. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, she was like a Nickelodeon star. Um, she just released a book, and it's called "I'm uh, I'm Glad My Mom Died." Okay, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't. Yeah. I didn't know that it was her. Yeah, that's her. So, I she I guess <laughs> isn't that upset, but most people are pretty pretty bummed about it. Most people, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they still had nothing and had a really hard time making ends meet. Then one day, a man sees Nina surfing and offers her a spread in a magazine. The thought of posing for pictures makes her uncomfortable, but she does it for the money, and then her modeling career shoots off. Suddenly, they don't have to worry about money anymore. And yeah, if taking pictures of your ass is going to feed your three sibling kids, I, yeah, yeah, I do, do it. Do? I yeah. do it. Yeah, a sec though, because she like she did it even though she didn't want to. And then it kind of took surfing away too a little bit because she wanted That's to do. True, she yeah. wanted to compete, and they were like, "Yeah, no, how about not competing? Let's just take the pictures. Like you're surfing, you're having fun. Yeah, who cares? That's not what she wanted. But so much of her life was just her doing things because she had to do them, and not because she wanted to do them. Yep. <sighs> yeah, I really felt for her. <laughs> I loved her. <laughs> Yeah, and then one day she meets a famous tennis player named Brandon, and they fall in love. <laughs> I guess. Uh, they get married, buy a big house. Well, he buys a big house without asking her. And then a year later, he leaves her for another woman, Carrie Soto. And then four months later, on the night of the big party, he comes back and begs her to take him back. Hmm. No, you s- no, 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 don't do it. No, no. At the party? No. 
at the party. But he like, she's like, no, you have to leave. And he's like, just wait. And he goes out in front of everyone and is like, everyone, I made a mistake. Should she take me back? I love her. And then she was like, okay, because everyone's looking and stuff. And I was like, no, just like throw him over the banister. Yeah. It's like when people do the big public proposals and aren't sure that they're going to say yes. Like you need to be 100,000% sure that this is something that this woman wants because, oh my God, being put on the spot like that in front of everyone. Like, I love it when they say no. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, good job not saying yes. And then, and so many people are like, well, no, she should have said yes. And then said no later. So to not embarrass him. No, she should embarrass him. (laughs) Yeah. It's not less embarrassing to later call it off. Like, it's terrible. It's yeah. Don't do it. No. If you're going to do a grand gesture, make it a good one. And make sure it's one that the woman or whoever you're doing it to wants. Yes. <laughs> the party is getting started now. So discussion question number five. What did you think about the party scenes and the guests? Okay. I didn't give a crap about the party. <laughs> and this is where we lost half a star because I love this book. I loved the family and all the characters and their lives. The party, I could have cut the whole party out and been just as happy. I liked the party. It, oh, was, it was terrible. It was insane. It was, it was like, insane, which is yeah. the worst part of it. <laughs> I think it gave like kind of this, <sighs> this energy to it, like, as it gets more and more and more, it makes it more and more tense. And yeah. it just, yeah, raises that energy from like a fun time to just pure chaos. And then as everybody's secrets are coming out, I just, I don't know, it set a good tone. I can see what you mean there. I was just so wrapped up in like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're going to have to clean all this up. It's <laughs> ridiculous. No. They just burn the house down. Oh my god! Like yeah. a genius. <laughs> yeah, that is a much better solution because man, that party was insane. And I was like, why are they doing this to themselves? And it starts out, it's like, oh, just some people like showing up and like doing some cocaine. It's like, okay, this is a party. And then by the end, all the dishes are smashed, paintings are peed on, like There's the blood. house is. Yeah, there's blood. There's house. The house is torn apart. The chandelier is ripped out of the ceiling. Like it's there's someone's shooting a gun. It's actually insane. And I was like, I would never want to be at this party. I would die if I found myself at this party. (laughs) Yeah, I would have shut that down way, way sooner, personally. But, you know, I'm not the famous Nina Riva. No, you're not. (laughs) You're the famous (laughs) Shanna. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's what they call are. me. Yes. <laughs> I guess like we kind of go off into these little scenes with these other characters, these other people like guests at the party. And some of it is learning about the main characters because we see like Kit's interactions with people at the party and we see I'm like a little bit of Nina and her friends, but there's some scenes where we're just with randos at the party a little bit. And I'm like, ah, I just don't like care. Like the former team star? All. Is this the guy you're thinking of? Yeah, probably him. Yeah. And there's like an action guy and there's like some 
movie producer or something. And I was just like, ah, I just love the characters that I love so much that I just didn't care about anybody else trying to come onto the scene. So anytime that they weren't there, I just, I really didn't kind of care about what was going on. That's fair. But I do see what you mean with like the energy of the party, like amping up towards everything burning down. Yeah. (laughs) So a little earlier in the day before the party, instead of telling Jay about Ashley, HUD chickened out and asked him if he could ask her out. Of course, Jay said no. Fool. Fool. (laughs) When Ashley shows up at the party, they are not very discreet about the relationship and everyone sees it except for Jay because Lara has shown up. So his attention is completely on her. But Ashley and Hud slip away so he can tell her that he didn't tell Jay. And then Ashley tells him that she's pregnant. Huh. They're adorable. They're so cute. And uh, they're just so happy to be having a baby. I know, but they've actually only been together for six months. Yeah, it's so pretty, it's pretty quick. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I wish them the best of luck. Uh, I do not recommend going that route. It works for some people. It does, yeah. But not for lots of them. <laughs> A baby's hard, so it's easier if you have a little bit more history under your belt, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like we say babies are hard. I wish somebody would just hand me a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a free baby. <laughs> One that was not taken illegally or anything, but Yes, just, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nina noticed a girl lurking around the party who didn't seem to be with anyone. She finally approaches Nina when she's alone in her room and reveals that she thinks she is also Mick Riva's daughter. She was adopted after her birth mom died during childbirth, and recently her adoptive parents also died. When she was going through their things, she came across a photo of her birth mother, and written on the back was her name and a statement that she had always said that the baby was the result of a one-night stand with Mick. What's her name? The sister? This, uh, um, the fifth? Oh my god. Sorry, I loved her. I forget your name. She was so sweet and just like everything was bad. And what a little go getter to get to Nina Riva's party. I know. That's and be like, hi, I'm your sister. (laughs) Yeah. Especially for like how timid of a character she was. Uh, Like she was just making some real big swings. I was hoping I could easily look up the name. I say it's like Carolyn or something, but then I'm just like, or is it just because. That's our friend's name. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, no, we'll never know. Unfortunately, this character was never named in the novel. (laughs) Oh, well. Okay, we can look all night. We can and we will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll shout it out just like in the middle of the night. Yes. She was great, though. She was like, like, I don't want any money. I'm not here for that. I just don't have anybody else. And she was looking for family. And it was sweet. And then the siblings are kind of like, okay, interesting. And then we're just like, just let her in. Yep, because they're wonderful. Casey. Her name is Casey. Okay. Close. Almost, Carolyn. Almost. Yes. (laughs) Starts with a C. Starts with a C followed by an A. It's basically the same name. Basically. So, meanwhile... Mick is feeling old and washed out, so he thinks that maybe now that his kids are older, he can connect with them better. Uh, you missed it. You missed the <laughs> boat, sir. It's it's too late, man. Too You're going to just want to send a check. <laughs> yeah. uh, luckily, unbeknownst to anyone else, Kit has been sending him an invitation to the party every single year, which there are no invitations to the party. 
if you know about the party, you're invited to the party. But Mick has been getting an invitation. But this is the first time he's even noticed the invitation, which you're the worst, Mick. The absolute worst. Screw him. But Kit, way to just like get my heart going. Just I know. What is, oh, it's so sweet. It just reminds me of like the kids who sit on the porch or like the stoop waiting for their dad to come. And then like, he never comes. It's just, it's the most heartbreaking scene ever. Yeah. It always makes me so sad. (laughs) (laughs) She, yeah, waits, sort of sends this invitation to her dad. And then also is kind of like when he does show up is the harshest to him. And it's just like, yeah, I sent the invitation, but no, too bad. So sad loser because of course when he actually sees the invitation it just happens at the right time where he's feeling like he's getting old nobody cares about him anymore so he jumps in his car drives to malibu yeah (laughs) jay's friend lara shows up and they go out to his brother's truck to be alone he says that he might love her and then they start to get spicy When she asks if he has a condom, he opens up the glove box and he finds a bunch of condoms. But also, he finds a stack of pictures of Hud and Ashley in very romantic positions. (laughs) He tries to put it out of his mind and focus on Lara, but he can't. Yeah, that's the thing about, like, brother porn. It really just gets under your skin. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even if it wasn't with your ex-girlfriend, it would still be weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's hard to stop seeing your brother's butt, you know? Yeah, but, you know, he still goes for it and finishes his own job somehow. (laughs) Oh, oh, just wet noodle. Like, no, no. it's not a good time. (laughs) No. (sighs) He tells her again that he loves her, and she says that she doesn't feel the same way about him. (laughs) Oh, Jay. Yeah, yeah. felt so bad for him. He just, like, kept saying, I love you. And she's like, I think we might not feel the same way about each other. Yeah, so we're going to need at least six months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, poor guy. The woman that Brandon left Nina for, Carrie Soto, who is another tennis player, shows up at the party with all his stuff, screaming and threatening to light it all on fire right there on the front lawn. Nina tells her to leave, and then realizing that Brandon was with her just the night before... She tells him to leave too. He refuses because it's his house. And she says he can have the house. Because she hates Why? the house. She should have sold the house while he was gone. Yeah, immediately. Like, yeah. whatever. He's been gone for months. Also, it's half her house. So yeah. go to hell, sir. Yeah. Ugh. This is the scene where you think that maybe you might feel something for Carrie. Might feel bad for yeah. her. So I don't know. We'll see. I would actually kind of enjoy it if I get a villain book. But you yeah. know that I love a good villain. I love a good bad guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Meanwhile, Kit's goal for the party was to finally kiss a boy. And she does and instantly knows what she has suspected all along. That she does not want to kiss boys. But <sighs> the guy that she was kissing, he was so sweet. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't think you're really into this. And she's like, yeah, no, I am. He's like, um... <laughs> I don't feel right about this. You're, you're you're obviously not okay. And she's like, nope, keep going. I'm good. <laughs> he just, uh, I don't he, know. He was sweet. He was very, very sweet. And he was totally in love with her. Yeah. So he's like, I can't believe this is happening. This is the best thing in my life. <laughs> like, oh, poor, poor, poor guy. <laughs> uh, 
Jay is obviously super pissed about Hud and Ashley, so he tracks him down and beats the crap out of him. And Hud lets him, because he knows he deserves it. And this is where Mick shows up. He breaks up the fight and convinces Jay, Hud, and Kit to give him the chance to explain himself. Nina and Casey join them on the beach, and Mick explains himself, but in the end, none of the kids are having any of it. Which I love. He did not deserve a redemption arc. No, and I feel like a lot of the time, in most stories, they would have forgiven him. And I love Mm -hmm. that they didn't. And they were like, we don't need you. You've never been our dad. You're not a part of our lives. We don't want to be like you. Leave. Yeah, I also love just the quietness of this scene. Like, Mm -hmm. taking it down to the beach and away from the party and, like, having that focus on just them was just really well done. Yeah, yeah. And they keep kind of cutting back to the party here and there. And it's, like, absolute insanity up at the house. Yeah. And, yeah, the beach is just dark and quiet. And it was, like, pretty far away because the house is up on the cliff and they have to climb down all these stairs to get down to the beach. Yeah, it was really good. And I think also just because the siblings – the beach is such a huge part of their lives and their dad was just completely on the outside. He was not a part of that world. And so he met them on their ground. And so they, you know, who knows how it would have been if they met him and had this discussion in a concert hall. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, they were in their territory and they were able to really just let him have it, which he deserved. He actually took it pretty well too. I think he knew he deserved it. Yeah, he knew. He knew he was a bad guy. He said, I'm not good. I'm, I'm crap. <laughs> it's so much proof of it. It's He's like, but I want to try to be better. It's like, no, no, no. You know, if he had, because he didn't say anything when their mom died. He didn't. Which is awful. The worst. And he knew it happened. And up until this point, you could kind of think that maybe he was just stupid and oblivious and didn't see the notice, didn't see the papers where... Nina was applying for guardianship and it was like, okay, he's just an idiot. But here he admits, I saw that she died and I just didn't want to accept it. And I didn't want to face it. And I pretended it didn't happen. And when I got those papers, I pretended that those didn't happen either. And I'm like, all right. It's not effective. No. I mean, I guess it was (laughs) working out for him. Yeah. (laughs) He had to just carry on his life as everything was fine while his kids are dropping out of school and working and just uh. struggling so the party is now completely out of control in every way that a party can be the cops are called people are arrested and by the time the rivas return to the house it's all over on the beach nina had admitted that all she really wanted was to live on a beach but in portugal where no one knows her and everyone says that she should just do it she doesn't need to take care of them anymore and so she eventually does agree to do it I love it. It was such a good ending. Just her leaving. It's just, I know, sometimes you got to just get on a plane and go do the (laughs) thing. (laughs) Right? She just, she packed her bag, drove Casey's dad's truck to the airport and just took off. And it was like, maybe people would think she died at the party. I mean, especially now that it's caught on fire, the house. Mm -hmm. Maybe people think that she would just, that she just ran off. But nobody would know. No, she can be a mystery. Everyone leaves the house. Jay and Hud make up and Jay drives Hud to the hospital and then to Ashley's to propose. Bob. Oh. 
Kit and Casey go bail out her friends and get breakfast, and Nina sneaks out with a bag of stuff and drives to the airport. No one knows as they leave that Mick, on his way out, flicked his cigarette like a total idiot into the brush, which lit the whole thing on fire, burning the house to the ground. And also, the rest of Malibu. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can't really set fire to one piece of Malibu, as far as I know. It kind of just all goes up. Since we live in, you know, a wooded area, forest fires are a big deal. And cigarette flicking makes me just wild. Oh my gosh. I don't see it very often anymore. I saw it the other day out of a car window. I can't. Ugh. When I do, I'm like, are you insane? This, <laughs> like, it makes me speechless. Like, what? It makes no sense. You can burn down our entire city. We have yeah. lost portions of this city. Come on. Don't be dumb. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Mick just walking away, completely oblivious. Well, whatever. As everything burns is just typical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is this our last discussion question? Number six? We have a few randoms coming up. Okay. Yes. Well, discussion question number six. What did you think of Nina's plan and how the rest of the book was wrapped up? I think I accidentally answered this one already. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would really like to go to Portugal with her. And I'd like for all the siblings to come and visit us. Yes. And I always want that whenever I really like a book is just to like keep on in their daily life and just be with them. No conflict, just surfing and being siblings be great. Yeah, I did not know how much I love conflict free books (laughs) until COVID. And then, Yeah. yeah, it turns out I'm into it. I like I knew that I can like a book without a plot. But Without a plot and without conflict, like I'm just reading words. (laughs) It's kind of great. It's good. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, I do have just a few other discussion questions that I just didn't fit in to the rest of, you know, the discussion. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the 80s time setting? Have you read many books set in the 80s? I loved it. I don't know if I've read very many. I can't think of that many. I can't like, off think the top of any. Of my head. Yeah, I can't think of any. Definitely, I've read lots in the seventies and kind of more recently, lots in the nineties. I was thinking the nineties is what I tend to get. But yeah, I can't yeah. think of anything. I can't think of anything else set in the eighties. So, if anyone else has any books out there that they recommend that are set in the eighties, I'd be interested in reading them. I think maybe. I don't know. Was it a good time? I was not alive for most of it. <laughs> the 80s are known as being too good of a time. A uh, time where there were no consequences until there were lots of consequences. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, yeah, this this book really kind of shows that pretty well yeah. at this party. This party is the 80s in a nutshell, in a party. The actual plot of this book takes place over the course of 24 hours. Why do you think Taylor Jenkins Reid chose to do it this way i think she didn't like i don't think she needed it to be any longer of uh an amount of time to get across what she needed to get across because this book was about these characters is very character driven and there wasn't really that much of a plot i'm actually surprised how well we got to know them considering it was only 24 hours that we really spent with 
the adult versions of them. Yeah. It's a miracle, I think, that she pulled it off. But I think she did. Yeah, she did such a great job. I don't know why she chose to do it that way, but I liked it. Yeah, I think I like it better over time. I think this happens quite a bit. Sometimes I change my mind about books the other way. But this one has grown on me. I still, how many books does she have? Three that I've read that aren't romance novels. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Evelyn Hugo is my favorite. Yeah. And then, I think this would be my least favorite of the three, but all three of them, it was like five stars, five stars, four and a half stars. So yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I don't even know if you can call that a lose. (laughs) No, I can't complain at all. I like, I think that because there was dual timelines, we got a little bit more of time, right? If it was just their timeline, just that 24 hours, I think that would have been a little bit harder. I don't think I would have liked that as much, but... No, the the past gave us context for these characters and their behaviors and their personalities. Yeah. yeah. So good. This book is set in the same universe as her other books. And there was just all these little, you know, tributes that I, I noticed. Actually, I noticed them more. I was, uh, the first time I read this book, right after, either right after or right before, I listened to Daisy Jones and the Six. And I so I caught all these little references from her other books. So obviously, Mick Riva was one of Evelyn's husbands. We know that um, Warren Rhodes, who is was in the band, Daisy Jones and the Six, was at one of the parties. The Breeze was there, who they were a band that was mentioned in Daisy Jones. They mentioned somewhere in the book that someone got drunk and said that they had proof that Celia St. James was gay. She's from Evelyn Hugo. And they weren't big moments in the book at all. It was just like little throwaway lines. Little Easter eggs for the fans. Yeah. No one would pick up on them. They don't change anything in the story. But when you know, you know. And it's wonderful. Yeah, it's so clever. I love that kind of thing in a novel. It's my favorite. So yeah, final thoughts. Love this book. Love Taylor Jenkins Reid. She's an auto-buy author for me now. I will read anything that she puts out. Yeah, I don't have to read a synopsis anymore. I will just purchase the book. And just immediately start reading it is my plan. Until she burns me twice. Like once, if I, she burns me once, okay, you gave me three good ones. Yeah. <laughs> she burns me twice, then her and I are going to have, you know, a bit of a problem. But right now, it <laughs> doesn't matter. I will buy anything yeah. she writes. We're no, good. actually, you know what? She wrote a short story called Evidence of the Affair that yes. I read recently. Also fantastic. And I hate affair stories. And it was so good. It was short. Oh, yeah, I loved it. You should read it. Yeah, I started reading it. And then it was one of those times where I was just taking a bath and needed something quick to read. And then kids and baths and I didn't get to read. So yeah, so you put read it down three pages. And, yeah. yeah, and I didn't pick it back up. But now I'm going to have to pick it back up because, yeah, I need more in my life. Yeah, it. I loved it. Um, yeah, final thoughts. That's, those are mine. Uh, <laughs> okay, that is all we have for you today. We are reading Carrie Soto is Back for our September book club. So pick up a copy and read along with us. Our mid-month book discussion for September is going to be The Daughter of Dr. Moreau, which is the newest book by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. So if you want to get in on that discussion, get reading. 
If you are interested in purchasing any of these books on audio and you listen on Libro FM, consider buying them through our links in the show notes. We are affiliated with them. And every time you use our links to buy books, you are not only supporting your local indie bookstores, but also this podcast. If you're not listening on Libro FM yet, consider making the switch. When you sign up, you get to choose which bookstores you buy the books from, and a portion of your monthly membership goes directly to them. And if you use our link, you support us as well. During checkout, use the code CHOOSEINDIE, and you get your first book for free. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for what we're reading and other stuff. See you next week. Bye! Bye.